Hello, you're listening to Thought Starters, a podcast on the business of creativity recorded at the pod at White City Place. I'm Ellie Stuhler. As much as it pains us to say this as podcasters, we live in a world driven by images. Some of the most poignant moments in human history live on in our collective memory, not as words, but as pictures and video footage, from human catastrophe and acts of defiance to great crowning achievements. And as much as photography and video have gained in reputation in the world of fine art, they've also been democratized. Thanks to smartphones, for instance, 1.2 trillion photos were taken in 2017 alone. Image making is also something often scrutinized. It can reinforce strict and unrealistic standards of beauty or, collectively, define a narrow demographic of who and what gets to be represented. As ever, though, a new generation of photographers and filmmakers are challenging the rules and helping to redefine a mainstream aesthetic. In the pod today, two emerging talents. Hi, I'm Israel Alam. I'm a creative and a director. I'm Ronan McKenzie. And I am a mainly photographer, but also direct and have started potentially doing other things. <laughs> Ronan is a photographer, filmmaker and curator who has worked for the likes of ID, Stella McCartney and Vogue. In 2015, she curated A Black Body, an exhibition at Doomed Gallery in Dalston, which aimed to normalize the black body and challenge the overt sexualization that often accompanies it in mainstream media. Israel is a D&AD New Blood winning director and creative, whose clients are as diverse as Fiat, Warner Brothers and London's Metropolitan Police. Of his work, he says, I like ideas rooted in the everyday with a slight twist, making his work feel relatable, but challenging and intriguing too. So the first film I directed was for ID last year. Um, They commissioned me to do a mini three minute documentary on babes nadine and tia um, who started the south london collective babes and um so that was the first thing i did then i did a music video earlier this year did a personal film and then most recently did an adidas dazed video uh which was featuring the new collection that olivia blank designed with adidas and so yeah they've all been quite different directing projects so far but so from i think i've seen a lot of your work the thing I probably have never asked you is, what's it like transitioning from photography, f- photography to film, and like how uh, how was it, and what was hard about it? I guess I mean, it's a completely different process doing film and doing photo because photo is all stills, and I can be completely well. It depends what the project is, but I can be quite spontaneous with the shots that I'm actually taking because it's only one moment, and I'm just capturing a second or, or a portion of a second. But with directing, there are so many more people involved. It's not as intimate necessarily. And there's also can't be as spontaneous because we have to know what shots we're doing to be able to plan the whole day. I mean, it can be a little bit spontaneous, but it's just different work. Kind of like translate my idea to the DP um, or translate my idea to uh, a storyboard or something. So, yeah, it's really different, but I really enjoy it because I think capturing moving image you get a lot more from it in the same amount one i don't know i don't know if it's more what do you think is it do you think you get more from video than you do from stills um i'm gonna be quite biased because i've been doing (laughs) i've been making films for a very long time um weirdly now Um, how long uh oh it's been like i've been making stuff since for about 10 years i'm i'm 25 now but like like i've been making stuff actually like for clients since the age of like 
was 16. So what was your first like commission job? Uh, okay, my first first proper like money in hand yeah. commission job was for a guy who used to live around the corner for me, <laughs> who who, um, who was like this rapper, and it was in the age of like you know when when grime was like at its peak, and I had um, a DB cam which I stole from school, <laughs> and he gave me like I think it was like five hundred quid, and he was like made this video for me, it's gonna go on TV. There was to be a um, used to be a channel called Channel AKA. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. I was gonna I thought it was gonna be Channel U. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah I, around the time I was doing it, it was called Channel AKA. Okay. But um, and then yeah, that was like the first thing I remember, like having to use my dog in the video, uh, <laughs> running around trying to get like um, there was like a motorbike that some dude was driving, and I was like, "Yo, can we shoot on it?" And and so it was like it was all kind of like mishmash things, and then yeah. on a DV tape, uh, which I was you know. I was using the same DV tape that I used for my um, school projects, which meant I was like re-recording over it. So it was like really bad quality, <laughs> but I think that's, you know, that's what he liked about it. But yeah, to answer your question, um, I think there is a difference in my opinion, because um, when you look at an image, you know, you can, you can give one idea, but you know, you might not be able to kind of articulate it um, mm. in a, in a kind of like, in a big way, unless you like, you are not subtle, you know, if you're, if you're hamming it with your image, then maybe you could be like talking about this problem easily in one shot. But, um, with a film, you can be really subtle. Um, and you can talk about this one thing in, in its many forms and in many ways. Um, but then also you can also get people's opinions on, uh, on that, on that one opinion that you have, because, you know, film is not just like narrative it's also documentary it's experimental so there's so many like avenues that you can explore to kind of to uh to talk about the topic that you want to talk about so i always find like images tend to like for me limit me into uh, with what i want to say or how i want to say it um it's interesting because i think it's obviously the complete not complete opposite for me yeah. because i feel like in my work I'm in in one still I can say so much but then I think it's so much more to do with context and where that image is seen how it's seen and who's seeing it as opposed to what is it that just solely what's in the image mm-hmm. whereas when you watch, when you're looking at film it's everything is in the world of the film and that's where you get all of the information from mm-hmm. I guess there are I would say there are well I don't know if I'd say less but yeah, actually, I think there are less platforms for film and for watching film and less places you see film, whereas video, whereas stills, you see stills everywhere. Like, we look out the pod now and we can see stills. Yeah, you look right. everywhere, you look on a bus, you look. And I think that's the power of stills in a way because I can I can take a, a shot of a person, say, like, my mum, for example, got... One of my favourite photos I've ever taken is of my mum standing in the kitchen and I did it um, where she's just wearing underwear from my friend's brand, Marie at. And it's so powerful, and a lot of people really like that image because you don't see she's nearly sixty, like an older black woman in underwear for one, but in such a strong and comfortable manner. And so, there's so much going on in that, and I've shown it in exhibitions, and I've shown it it's on Instagram or it's on my website, or people post, send it to each other, and so it's seen in so many different ways that there's so much that's taken from it, yeah. and it reaches so many people. That's very true. I think the reach of the photography is. Tef- definitely like longer and far- further than like film because I mean I mean I just like you were, like the film I showed you recently mm. it's like 19 minutes long and I kind of wonder like who's going to sit for 19 Actually, minutes though, I was just going to say it's interesting so your first commission was a video a music video yeah. essentially and your most recent commission has been like a music video that goes on for 19 minutes yes yeah yeah it's always it's always been around music related things I don't I don't know why but 
I tend to gravitate towards that more than like commercials or or narrative. I, I think music makes me feel a certain way, so mm-hmm. I, I I like having music in in my work, and also it's it's another way to kind of like talk to people because the music says a lot as well. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, music has always been a part of what I mean. There's, there's one, I know we were talking about this the other day, but there's one really, really interesting point in that film yes. where you're talking about being able to say a lot more in a film. Um, so, wait, do you want to just quickly intro your film? Just say what your film was. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. Then I can ask the question. Okay, yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, uh, my film um, is a, um, I guess it's a uh, it's a film that, um, that looks at... Um, at the music of an artist called Young Bane, so he was releasing a new a new mixtape uh, called HBK Heartbroken uh, Heartbreak Kid or Heartbroken Kid, um, and the whole the whole conceit of the film was to kind of uh, look at the stories behind the music, and so it's a ninety minute film which um, chronicles chronic. Uh, don't even know how to say that word now. <laughs> it chronicles the um, the day in the life of five young boys from East London. And that's in a nutshell is the story. Yeah. Okay, so that's the story, but there are so many other themes that come up in the story. And I think my favorite, favorite, favorite moment in the film is when um, the drug dealer, which her name is. Oh yeah, Slicks. Slicks. So there's Slicks, the drug dealer. The boys drive up to this drug dealer. She's just like on the corner of the road, and she's selling them some weed or whatever. But there's such a beautiful moment where the guys ask, like, "Where's the boss?" whatever and she's like i'm the boss not exactly like that, but she says i'm the boss whatever and they're like oh they let a girl lead her was it let, let a girl run things they yeah. let a girl run things yeah. but she is um male she has a masculine appearance yeah so when i watched it i didn't know if she was trans or she was just uh, mask appearing or um there was something about her sexuality or no sorry not about sexuality, something about her gender in there that was, was intrigued me because i don't think we really see how it might be for a young female who is male perceived mm-hmm. in that kind of East London world. How does she fit in with those kind of boys? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that was a really interesting moment. And so just say, like, I'm interested to hear from you what you were trying to say with that and why you chose to do it in that way. So I, it, it all stemmed, it again, it can't, it's not something that I was like, you know, I thought out straight, yeah. you know, from the very, from the script days. It was a moment that, like, it, kind of transpired when um i met her uh, in the casting she was coming in for the leading girl and i was like i don't know if you're right for leading girl but i feel like you'd be interesting for this other role and i have you know one i like to do stuff which i haven't seen before and that's just because i like to challenge what we have seen and so having a girl become a drug dealer or be the drug dealer in this scene nobody's actually played around with so I thought, why not? Let's give it a try. And we rehearsed it, and she did amazingly. And it was it was really natural to her. And I was like, okay, wonderful. But then the whole the whole um, aspect of like of like you know a woman doing this job, and you know why why she would be doing this job came about through bringing the other boys in the fi- from mm-hmm. the film in the same room as her. And it's like it's really weird, but it's kind of like this natural human human thing to you know whenever you want to be rude to someone you pick the thing that you see yeah and i i basically gave them this question as i go so how would you attack her or like Mm. in a you know with with verbally and they automatically went to her um to her gender and uh, her gender being weaker than uh, a male's gender um 
and that was like them running with it and I thought okay cool I stopped I stopped it and I was like okay what did you just say there and and he started to go oh did I do that wrong I was like no go on yeah. keep going why have you said that you know I want you to continue it and and I <clears throat> and I wanted slicks uh, to just be as honest uh, in her response um, as she can be because I think you know when we chatted this, I feel like it's something that she's faced a lot uh, mm-hmm. um, a lot in her life because she used to be a bus driver she's an engineer now and it's like she does quite like roles that are normally yeah. masculine um, and I know she's probably faced these kind of, kind of questions many times so I thought go with it and just be as honest in your response and that's where it came to I, I think for me that that um that moment uh, kind of uh, kind of uh, i guess solidified my way of making films in that sure. and that's like <clears throat> i like to make films in a natural and real way um, yeah. i want it to be as honest as possible so i put people in the same in that in that situation and let them run with it and it showed to me like like by doing that it brings up the problems that we have to all question yeah i think maybe that's what really struck me about it was i was so honest and cuz because it's, it's unusual to get an insight, really a, a true insight into the life of somebody else. And that's really what it did for me, I think. I remember that's why, like, the first time I watched it, I started bawling. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Because um, it was so honest. And that's always something I really aim to do in my work. I think that's the strength of, like, that's such a strength of your work. And I hope that's the strength of my work, is Definitely. that it's really honest. Um, because whenever I'm, I see advertising or I see visuals or images or st- even stuff on Instagram, I think the, the ones that I can relate to because they give me a sense of, I guess, understanding the sense of related relativity mm. are the ones that are the strongest for me. Like, I, I, there's so many publications and TVs, like books and magazines and platforms, and there's so much imagery, video and film out there that I think the ones that really struck, strike me are just the ones that are that I relate to or the ones that feel like they're true because yeah. there's so much false stuff. There's yeah. so much one-dimensional false stuff. I think it's funny because, you know what I was saying earlier about, like, I like to find stuff that I haven't seen before. And the reason why I go towards that is that in advertising or in anything we see, I feel like everything is, a, like, a repeat of something else. Yeah. And I don't know where it comes from. Yeah. And, it, and a lot of the stuff I see aren't real. Like, I, so I kind of wonder like, when I see something that I haven't seen, I go, okay, cool. Yeah, Maybe that's, where did that, where did that come, from? come from? Like, yeah, yeah why is that... A, a thing yeah. that we haven't seen before so let's explore that yeah and i i think your work does that quite well because a lot a lot of the images i haven't seen before but like mm. especially of like young black women and, and like and the way you shoot them as well is quite strong and like you use a lot of like low angles looking mm-hmm. up at them and that, that's that in itself in film is, yeah. is, is a is a is you know we use those kind of shots as kind of like a power shot yeah and that that, that rarely is used um, but I always wonder, like, why is it that there is this kind of um, setup of what we see or how we see it? If, if you do get what I mean, like, I feel like there's this like rule, un- unwritten rule of like mm. the kind of things that you're supposed to see in magazines. Yeah, I, I guess I think it's because it's all it's all supposed to be like aspirational to someone. So it's all supposed to be stuff that we aspire to be, but we're not. And I think somewhere along the line, it just got a bit. It got so far away from what we sorry, what's actually possible. It got so far away that there's this disparity between what is what we're looking at and what our lives are actually like. Um, I think, yeah, I think I don't. I guess fashion specifically kind of came from 
like trying to or fashion imagery came from trying to create work that is you know yeah well i guess it's selling clothes number one mm-hmm. selling clothes on one but it's something that you want to want to look at and so there's beautiful people in it because you want to look at beautiful people and then it just got like powered up and powered up and powered up so it's something that is all the way on level 100 and our actual lives are on like level two and i just now living in our society and like i've only been doing photography for like the last few years i just don't connect to that anymore and i think with anyone being able to pick up a camera and do photography or do film, the balance has shifted and people want to start seeing stuff that they they connect to. So do you think that the problem has always been, like, who's, um, I guess, who's commissioning the work? Oh, yeah, I mean, for sure. They're, like, yeah, 100%. Like, it's the same, it's the same, same crew of people that's the same ideas and look the same and dress the same and do the same things on the weekends are the only people who are in charge of commissioning then all the stuff's going to look the same or all the stuff is going to be from the same voice and for the, marketed towards the same person. And I think a lot of brands just, or a lot of big companies who have money to commission just didn't see the value of diversity, for want of a better word, until recently. Yeah, I find there was this one, arg- like, well, it's, a, it's an argument I had um, and it all stemmed from a conversation like that. I was... I was um, with a new with a new collaborator looking mm. to get some funding for a project that we're doing about fathers and we um, were in a room full of like uh, quite like wealthy um, people in like advertising and, and film uh, and one person read the kind of the conceit of the idea and went oh, oh why can't you do it like gritty and, and a mm. bit more urban classic he said that not to me but to the collaborator that i was working with who i am working with um he kind of pinned him into a uh, into a corner and just like i don't know whether he was drunk or he was just actually just spouting what he felt but he literally just continued to say like what, what, what this ain't it's too artistic for them it needs to be, it needs to be gritty, raw. It needs to be something a bit cool, edgy. And he just kept saying these words, and I had to step in and go like, "Okay, cool. I have a question for you. So, why do you think we have to only have one way of making one stuff? Narrative. Yeah, well, like yeah, one narrative. Like, why can't we be artistic in how we express our emotions um, or, um, <clears throat> or or questions?" And he didn't have an answer to it yeah. apart from pointing out the fact that the thing that's been successful is gritty and raw and, and cool. And I don't know how you can solve that when, you know, the people who are in charge all think that same way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think I, it's getting, I think it's changing a little bit and, like, those circles are getting slightly more diverse, but there's still a long way to go. And it's still very frustrating, I think, being trying to work within the industry when there's just so many people who just won't will just look at you and they'll just think you're going to do one thing and they'll just expect one certain type of um, vision and they can only so they can only commission or they can only think of one type of vision so like for example i was doing a shoot the other day um and it was supposed to be for a sport a type of sport um and none of the people who were commissioning it did the sport or probably had spoken to somebody who did the sport, and all the people who were cast obviously did, but the, it was just so different. The people commissioning it had one idea of what that looked like, the people doing the sport had one idea of what that looked like, and it was so different, and there was just no communication, and so the images just ended up being the same stuff that you see all the time because there was no conversation, and I don't know why that conversation doesn't happen more. Like If I was going to go out and do, the pro- do a project that I didn't know anything about, and I'd probably try and discuss it with them first to see how do you feel about it and what do you think it should look like and how do you, what do you think of my vision of it instead of just going out there and doing it. 
that's all the advertising a lot of advertising that we see yeah I think I know why though because I've been so in my other job being like a creative why I went and became a creative purposely from a director just so I can understand how it all worked because I kept getting these like scripts I wasn't a fan of and I was like oh why can't I write the scripts Mm -hmm. why can't I be involved in in the conceit of it all and so I you know it took like three months and I became a creative and it was luck but that happened but that process made me realize like I did two years of that process and I realized why no conversation like that ever happens and that's just fear it's weird like like it's weird fear that like that the person who's um you know the people in in the advertising side don't want to like question someone who's there essentially they're like bread and butter like the person who has like the million pound like contract with them can't be questioned because if he is questioned that means that he doesn't know what he's doing Mm. and then that means that they're um, they're gonna lose that contract and and on the other end the the person who's like actually giving them the contract the marketing director actually would love something different but is too scared to actually think of anything you know or to like commission anything different because his job is on the line yeah. or she, her it's job is on the line. It's frustrating because I think images are so powerful. And, like, for example, I saw a bus go through um, Leighton the other day mm. and it was some advert for Westfield or something, but there was a huge image stretching the whole bus of a black girl on the back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is insane because growing up I never saw that would just never exist. And so all these black people from Walthamstow, Leighton, Leightonstone to Stratford, that, that bus route does, are going to see this and feel... I'm not, not saying everyone's going to be empowered just because there's a black person on the bus, but it's just seeing it and knowing that that can exist it changes, I think, changes something. And so it frustrates me when there could be an opportunity for somebody to be either empowered or just have a, the mind change or even just see an image that's different. Um, and that, it just doesn't happen. Is that like your goal then, I guess, with, with what you make, is to empower people or to change perceptions? Yeah, both. It's both. It's to empower people, it's to change perceptions, and it's also just to create work that I would like to see. It's just that. I think not everything, not all of not all of my work is like made with, oh, I, I want to change people's minds on this, or I want to show, I don't know, you know, there's, there's not like, it's not always that deep. It's sometimes just to see an image that I would like to see or see something different and just put my narrative out there and see different kinds of stories. Um I think that's one difficulty as well of being like a black person in the industry is that like you were saying, like there's always one way of doing it that people expect and I don't want to always have to do it like that. And I think that's where I found them, why I find the most power in my personal work sometimes is because I can just really say exactly what I want to say with no boundaries. But at the same time, I do find it amazing that I'm, I do get commercial work and that sometimes when I am able to put in, to have like an input on casting or to have an input on st- a stylistic or creative input, that it's coming from my eyes. And so there's one more female or one more black person who wasn't there before, who has a say, and maybe there'll be something in the images that somebody will relate to, as opposed to if they got somebody else to do it. I think it's also that, though, people not thinking about who's shooting or who's filming based around the subject. Um or who will, more, who will the subject feel more comfortable with. That's not often a thought. I think that should be considered, especially when it comes to shooting real people or anybody with any sort of sensibility. Mm-hmm. So, how would you, so how would you run it? Like, so if you... If I had a company... Yeah. <laughs> if I had a company that was some sort of, I don't know, advertising agency or, yeah. I don't know, any, anyone that commissioned images, I would look at the subject of what I was shooting. Say that subject was, I don't know... Um, a Chinese, a, a, a Hong Kong-based ballet school, 
and we were, they were shooting 10-year-old boys that did ballet. I would look at that and be like, OK, what am I trying to aim for? What am I trying to achieve? Am I trying to get nice pictures of this? Therefore, if I am, who do I think will take the best pictures of this? Am I trying to get an understanding of the culture around these boys who do ballet in Hong Kong? If I'm trying to do that, who do I think will be able to tap into what they're doing? Who might have an experience of that? Just be that those kind of thought processes going on as opposed to just being like, this is a this photographer that we've used 50 times before and so we're just going to use him to do everything. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, that uh, I'd be the devil's advocate with that, but then that just means they probably do that because it's comfort and feeling... Definitely. It's, it's the thing about feeling secure in their job that like whatever this photographer does will be good, we'll be good. and it'll be you know certified yeah as opposed to like trusting someone new who might understand the culture yeah or the background of the story but you you don't know whether the, the work's going to be good and yeah. that's always been the conversation i've had in 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 commissioning people like I, as a director i i know the hard thing around getting commissioned because like people look at your work and if you haven't done enough then mm-hmm. That doesn't, yeah, that's it. Um, you haven't done anything cool or you haven't worked with someone famous, so then we can't really use you. Yeah. Um, but, when- I, but I also do understand that it is at the end of it, unless it's personal, editorial, mm-hmm. or for an art project or a screening that is for enjoyment purposes, there's al- always a monetary yeah. plot behind it. And so I understand that. Like, I get that people, the big companies or the big person who's commissioned just wants to make as much money out of it as possible. But at the same time, I think you can still... You know, you can still get a bit of texture out of it. You can still get something out of it that's not... Of course. Yeah, of course. And I think that, that comes down to then it, then we're talking about people wanting to push their craft and or whatever they're doing, just yeah. wanting to see something different. And that goes down to, like, what they're used to. Or, you know, we kind of... It's really interesting. It's weird. You can't really have... it. There is no answer to it, apart yeah. from you have to be the change yourself. Yeah, I think so. You're listening to Thought Starters, recorded at the pod at White City Place. In conversation are photographer Ronan McKenzie and director Israel Alem. There was at the start of this year, I did actually want to like leave this industry, um, and I and and that was because I felt like I was I was just labelled one kind of thing, and I ended up like. Working, oh, in, yeah. working in, I remember uh, in, in <laughs> working in advertising and just like being, uh, you know, Israel Alum from South London, who comes from Ethiopia, and then coming out of advertising, just being Israel Alum, black guy. Mm. <laughs> it, was, it was weird because then it's like I just had to, I had to like start to talk for a whole culture, which I wasn't really comfortable with. But then I, I felt like I had to because nobody else would actually question the the ideas that were available mm. or, you know, that was about to be commissioned. And that always scared me because mm. I'm like, you know, like I don't really want to fail in being this weird, like, spokesman or or at the end I felt like I was a guinea pig to kind of, like, you know, test out these ideas, whether they're right or wrong, and then, just, you know, put them out. Mm. And that frightened me because, you know, what what is... What might be just a bit a piece of advertising, like you're saying, is really important to a lot of other people. Seeing that black girl on that billboard is really big. And, you know, maybe seven other little black girls will see that and go, wow, I can have my hair like that. Yeah. And and that those kind of thoughts really kind of made me fear working in, in creative because I'm like, well, I want to make stuff. I want to make stuff that changes. 
perceptions. But then I don't really want to be the one that's just the voice for everyone. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. And that's, I think that's the main reason why there needs to be more people, more people from different backgrounds, different cultures in it. It can't just be you. You can't be the only spokesperson. You shouldn't have to feel pressured, you know, like to, to be that spokesperson. I think that's why the industry has to have more people in it who are just different people who are from different backgrounds who are different sexualities different races like just different just all of the difference that we can get mm-hmm. as possible and i think yeah it, the more of that the better because you don't want to have to i think that's the I've, i found that in my work is like people now always ask me be like oh it's cool like your work's so diverse like you know that's that's why is that oh, that's really cool I never thought about my work being diverse at all until maybe like two years ago or a year and a half ago because I just am from Walthamstow, so just shot people that were in Walthamstow also who <laughs> I could get my hands on. Yeah. And I never thought about it as this big thing. And I think it's, it's kind of problematic in a way because now everyone's like comfortable talking about it, which on one hand is really good. On the other hand, I've had plenty of difficult conversations with people who are kind of like, I think uh, who were, for example, I've had a conversation with a um, a white photographer who is an incredible photographer, and she was saying, I think it's really important in my work, because I'm a white person, I think it's really important in my work that I create diverse imagery. And I said, that's cool, but if that's the only reason why you're doing it is because you think you should, because you think you have to, that's not that's not it. That's also problematic. Um, you don't have to. It's just... Of course, general advertising, I think, should represent the people that are in London, the difference of different people that are in London. But I don't think every project has to be diverse. Like, when we were doing that talk at Ravensbourne, which is how we met, (laughs) which we never talked about, um, how we met is we were both doing a lecture in progress talk at Ravensbourne University. Ravensbourne. Ravensbourne Uni, yeah. Uni, yeah. yeah. Um, we we're both doing a talk about our work and things like that. And um, when, when after I was doing that talk, I did talk a lot about why I think it's fine to shoot however you want to shoot. A boy came up to me afterwards um, and said, uh, "Are you like? How do you make sure your work is not biased towards black people?" And I said to him, "I was like, I, I don't. Like, my work is definitely biased, and I definitely have my own biases. Like, if there's a black person on The Apprentice, that's the person I'll be rooting for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's absolutely fine, because if I think it's okay to root for whoever I want to root for. Likewise, though, if I want to do a project that's only got black people in it, that's also fine. Like, if I don't have to feel like I have to make my project overly diverse, and I don't feel like a white photographer has to make theirs overly diverse just for the sake of it. It's been conceptual, especially... I'm talking personal stuff, because obviously... When it comes to the stuff that's going to a general public, I think that it sh- people should make an effort to make sure that people are represented. Yeah. When it comes to personal film or personal video or personal projects, you don't have to do stuff just for the sake of it. And I think doing it for the sake of it is almost sometimes more damaging because it, then it becomes tokenistic. Yes, it does, definitely. Also, it's like, um, uh, you know, um, recently I've been like like researching a lot about Spike um, uh, Spike uh, Spike Lee mm-hmm. and like his work and the idea of of his work is not, you know, a lot of people get this m- misconception that like his work is around just like uh, like cinema for black people. No, it's just a cinema which talks about black problems because he's coming from at it, he's coming at it from his perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's black problems, but we're not trying to just make a. Exactly. Not, it would just films for black yeah, people. Yeah, we're not trying to. Yeah, it's not about creating a thing that only you can be part of. It's just putting your things that, like, from the exact exhibition that I just had, it yeah. was four black female photographers, artists, and then the whole program of events were. It was, the theme was home and family. The whole program were events. Everything was run by black women. Um, 
And so that was the foundation that I don't think a lot of people would probably didn't even notice when they came. And that's the best part of it because it's like, yes, we're at the forefront, but it's something for everybody to be part of. All different kinds of people can come and feel comfortable and feel at home. Um, and that's I, I like that some people didn't notice because that's not supposed to be the main thing. I think that's a lot of times I feel like as a black artist, the main thing is that I'm black and that shouldn't be the main thing. The main thing should be my work and my body of work. And maybe, yeah, some black people will pop up there now and then, yeah. some white people, some Asian people, some, anyone from all kind of places might pop up now and then, and that's fine. But it doesn't, it doesn't just, it's like, it's not the sole purpose. You're human. Yeah, ultimately. exactly. <laughs> it's, about, it's about being human and having an understanding, like, we all have the same, like, foibles, uh, you know, problems, happiness, sadness, or like all exactly. these things that we can all relate to, and that's that's what it is. And you're just putting a lens yeah. on it that is, you know, um, from a black person's perspective, yeah. but that doesn't mean. I guess it gets dissected because there just aren't that many of us. There just yes. aren't that many, so that's yeah. why we get, oh, you you know, that's why you get the spokesperson thing. There's just yeah. not that many of us. Yeah, but how do you now? How do you change that conversation then? Because I think, that for especially this year, it's been a lot about diversity. Yeah. It's all about it's all about inclusion and 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 you know, getting more you know black voices, but not make the work just about black black specific problems. If you get what mm. I mean, how do you change it so it's just? I think now actually, like, it's like. It's good that all these things are being discussed, but it's also, like I was saying, it's a little bit problematic. It can, it can be difficult because there's that whole thing as well of, like, owning your story. So, like, some somebody might say to you, because you're Ethiopian, you can't tell the story of someone who's not... Or you can't tell a story of a Kenyan person or you can't tell a story of an Indian person or, you know, you, you shouldn't say... You can't do that. And I think we need to get past that because just because you're from Ethiopia doesn't mean a story or a topic or a person that's in, I don't know... Um, wherever in Russia might not really interest you. You you should be able to tell whatever story you want to tell. Exactly, I can relate to them on a human level, like on it on it exactly. on a, like basic instincts. Exactly. Uh, like, so that in itself can then lead to more questions and conversations. It's all about conversation, really. Exactly, it? and it's also just about yeah, it's that human connection. And I think what I was trying to say earlier about um, doing a job where everybody is like a white middle class guy, and they all live in the same kind of area, and they all wear the same things and like the same music. That's not the problem. The problem is just that finding that connection to the person i'm not saying you can't shoot whoever you want to shoot mm. because you're i can't i'm a black girl from walthamstow doesn't mean i can't do whatever i want to do it's just understanding why i'm doing it and being respectful mm. i think respect i think it comes down to respect respect and understanding that's very and like true. and like just being comfortable to be like i actually don't know anything about this subject that's very true can you just let me know yeah. <laughs> like when I, we were talking earlier this year i really wanted to go and do a project in ethiopia and I was starting to kind of do the work with British Council and talk about it. And I was speaking to Iz a lot about it. And at the end of it, I decided maybe I shouldn't go and do this project. I actually don't know anything about Ethiopia. And I want to go there and explore first before I do anything. Mm-hmm. Then then that'll be more organic and more natural. And I think it's it's absolutely fine to just yeah, be like, I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's good to it's good to admit um, yeah. what you don't know. I think that that's quite interesting because recently um, I found actually a lot of people don't admit to what they don't know like they you know just the whole blagging thing about especially in like when you're filmmaking or or like in photography or in art in general people could just blag it but um it was what i found very interesting is that those those people who blag it get up to a certain point and then (laughs) and hit a wall (laughs) um what i was going to ask actually is um it's like what is your next thing or what what's your fit what's actually the big question is what where do you want to get to with your work? It's a big 
thing. Yeah, it's like I, I, I've never asked you that. So I was like, what do you want? What do you want to do with your work? I think I want to do a lot. I think what I really loved about my recent exhibition was bringing people together. Um, just that, just bringing people together to have a chat about something and find something in common. And even if that conversation lasts two minutes, you never see them ever again. There's no pressure to like be mates. It's just bringing people together, and I like that. And so I think moving forwards, I'd like to do more of that. I don't know what the end goal is. I love doing photography. I've really started enjoying doing film. Um, but it's, I'm not going to restrict myself just to those things if I ever become interested in something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can uh, sidestep, yeah. Pardon? You're going to sidestep. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm just, I want to do a lot. I'm not sure, really sure what it looks like. like. I can't tell you in five years from now what I would like to be doing because I'm just enjoying experimenting and exploring I think I had a, a big, um, I did a shoot for a, a, a brand that I work with, Universal Standard, in August, a campaign, and they have size 0 to size 40, American sizes. And that was really interesting for me because I kind of had to like relearn how to take pictures of bodies that are bigger than, like an, I don't know, like a size 14, 16 UK, because it's a whole different arena and it's a whole different thing. And when I posted those images um, of the one of the girls, the Shawnee, that I photographed, um, it was really polarizing. People had really different expectations, like different perceptions of it. She's a size 32, and I think a lot of people haven't seen a person that size shot in an admiration, in a way of admiration and in a kind of empowering way. And that just the conversations that I had around that were really interesting. I guess I didn't really think about fat shaming before. And then recently I was in Westfield in Stratford and I went to buy a birthday card. And um, in the jokes card section, mm-hmm. there was one that was like uh, two guys fishing, and there were like no fish, or the fish were like the fish was like look really scared. And um, the guy said one there was like a speech bubble. One was saying to the other guy, oh, "What's going on with the fish?" And behind them, you see a fat woman in the background, be it bending over in her bikini. And so the joke was the fish was scared of the woman or whatever. And I would never think about that before. I would see that, and that would go straight over my head. And it was only until I did this project and work with these um, this this company and these people and that I had to question my own um judgments of people that are bigger that are bigger size i don't even want to say bigger size i don't really know i don't even know the have the vocab to express yeah. what i'm trying to say or mm. you know um and that was really interesting for me and i think i'm just really enjoying moving forwards okay and that was quite unrelated but i think i was just trying to exemplify that i think my brain goes in completely different directions with the work that we do mm-hmm. and I guess I just want to keep enjoying it, whatever that looks like. <laughs> okay. What? What do you have an answer? Uh, no, I just wanted to. <laughs> no, I haven't got a real, not a real answer, but I've only just started to figure out certain things about why I make. Because I used to, because for a long time I used to work in a partnership and a duo, which meant mm. it's a very difficult thing to do, especially in a creative uh, field. When you're working with someone else, you have to take into consideration their. Um, their their way of thinking their 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 aspirations or, or belief system and that might um that could make you forget your own mm. a little bit so i spent this year kind of figuring out who i am again uh, and who are you uh, what did you conclude uh, i haven't concluded anything just yet <laughs> but i have figured out that all i want to do in, in the things that i make is kind of like provoke questions or kind of or conversation like you're saying with yours um but then I do want to, uh, I do want to make stuff that's just very, that just that just very human, like yeah. we're talking about, just like that anyone can relate to, mm. and that um, it it could you know like it can make you happy, sad, cry, like you know like cry, laugh. I I want to I want to like 
touch on all the emotions that we all are capable of feeling. Mm-hmm. And because I think whenever you make stuff, the the especially as filmmakers uh, or artists in general, they tend to kind of be self-indulgent. They, they want to make stuff for themselves. And when you make stuff for yourself, sometimes you, you, you're not as... You're not as in touch with your like emotions on like things making you mm. really happy or really sad. It's just like it, it could end up just being cool. But I want to like I want to make stuff that like you know for an audience that actually don't know how to make films yeah. that are just watching it and could fall in love with the story that I've just given them, and you know let them live in that fantasy because I think. And you know the audience that watches films or look at, um, look at images, um, they just want to get lost. I think they want to get they they want to go past this humdrum for a seven day week, yeah. you know, like get up and go sleep kind of vibe. But they want to they want to find something that they can get engrossed in. So I want to make that thing for them. I want to you know give them something to kind of look forward to. That was photographer Ronan McKenzie and director Israel Alem in conversation. This has been Thought Starters, recorded at the pod at White City Place. Thought Starters is a DNN co-project for White City Place, produced by David Michon and recorded and edited by Sean Crook. To find out how you can record your own podcast at White City Place, find us at whitecityplace.com, on Twitter or Instagram with the handle at whitecityplace, or shoot us an email at podcast at whitecityplace.com. And subscribe to Thought Starters on iTunes, Acast, and Stitcher. Give us a rating and write us a comment. It really helps. We'll see you next time.